you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And uh, Marty. Marty. I forgot what we called him here to make it rhyme with <laughs> Sherry B. I can't. Oh, I, I can't be. Yeah, it was, it was I, cool, too. Listen, I know Ooh. it was super cool. It was it was really super cool. I, <laughs> I don't know. I can't be expected to remember these things because I just, I can't. Like, I just can't. Um, good grief. Should've, but it was, we should have wrote it down. We should have. We should have. And yeah. I, thank you for saying that now. Um, well, anyway, Marty, Marty Sparks is with us. Man, I wish we would. Also, forgot what um, you said. we'll get around the calls. Somebody, <laughs> somebody listening who really cares about us an awful lot will remember. And uh, they'll be ready when the phone lines are open to, to remind us. Yeah. And, and that'll be great. We'll appreciate that. Thank <laughs> you so much. Um, so today's topic, we want to just have a conversation around a couple of news um, headlines. Something I find interesting from uh, two LifeWay research uh, um, reports, studies, mm -hmm. surveys, LifeWay research surveys um, out this year. And um, both of them just, I, I think it's, it's just really cool to have a conversation around this. Um, and by cool, I mean necessary. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> because um, cause a lot of us, um, let me say it in New Orleans vernacular. A lot of us out here celebrating Christmas, and uh, and we don't know why. Mm. We don't know why. And and so I was reading that, and I was like, man, you know, I, I, again, I think it points to just how culturally normative a lot of our festivals are, if you mm -hmm. will. You know, we call them uh, holidays, but we have kind of stripped away from it, yeah. the holiness of the day. Oh, yeah. And so it's just another day, but also you know, a day off from work and, right. and then as in, you know what I mean? It's, it's like a vacation kind of a thing. And so we, we are not really, um, we're not really connected to what we are in fact celebrating. And, and, and can I say something? I was thinking about this and in looking at it and, and thinking about how we talk about it. One of the things I didn't want to do mm -hmm. was, um, I wanted to have this as like an honest, open conversation whereby we can open the phone lines up and even hear from some of our listeners and just discuss how easy it is for some of us to disconnect the meaning from the things that we do. Yeah. And that's True. the ultimate like focus. Like we can disconnect the meaning from the things that we do because these things become so routine. Right. And when you think about it that way, I think you're less likely to be condescending or to be snarky with people, which I think can be the tendency for people who are just like, oh, I can't believe, you know, and, and which I understand. I, I do understand that. But I didn't want to have that kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to actually be a little bit more measured and talk about how um, not only how easy it is for us to disconnect the meaning from what we're doing, but then also explore how we might reclaim that. Like, is, is it possible for us to not remain in this place? Like, could there be a survey that is conducted next year? And, and then we, you know, we get the results of that survey next mm -hmm. year and it's like, oh, wait a minute. 
here we go. The numbers are up. You know, more yeah. people understand the meaning of Christmas. More yeah. people can retell the Christmas account, which, by the way, that's that's going to be a part of what we what we look at today. Like um, the survey of Americans uh, asking the question, you know, how confident are you um, that you could retell the Christmas story? Mm. And some people are. But a lot of people aren't. A lot of people feel like they could get some bits and pieces, yeah. <laughs> you know, but maybe leave some details out, you know. And and I think a lot of us might fall into that category. In fact, I tested myself in preparation in preparation for this show. And so I went back to read the actual accounts. And if I could just be honest with you, as I was reading, I was like, ooh, I would have put that out of order. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Yikes. You know what I mean? And so so I, I just think we have to be honest with, you know, where we are, mm-hmm. our our um level of biblical literacy and which is interesting when we think about the Christmas story, just look away if it's you. Okay. Just look (laughs) away. Like just, but don't be too obvious. Okay. Don't, don't turn different shades of whatever. Just look away. So most of us, if we even think about the Christmas story, sometimes don't make an immediate biblical connection. It's almost like a movie that we try to remember. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm. Like it's, it's, it's an event that we understand has happened, but we have disconnected our learning of this event from the biblical account, recognizing that this biblical account is fixed. It doesn't change. It was an actual event that happened. The reason we know about it is because of the scriptures, right? So when we think about shoring up our ability to memorize the account, it's not going to (laughs) be... It's not going to be more exciting stage plays you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's not, it's not going to be, and, and which by the way, you know, the chosen is great. Yay <laughs> for the chosen. Okay. Um, but I just, I'm not sure that it's going to be more accurate storytelling. You know what I mean? I think it's going to be more Bible reading, yeah. more Bible reading yeah. and reading it, um, you know, in depth. And I and, think and, that's, and, that's yeah. the way that if you, you talk about those numbers changing next year, it's, yes. <laughs> I think it would be by, you know, taking the opportunity to read through what happened, you know, mm-hmm. with our families and our churches, and, you know, whenever we get an opportunity. So people would know yeah, um, what it's all about. Absolutely. And you're right. It's so easy to like kind of miss the details and different things that, you know, for all of us to miss, but man, it should be something that's rehearsed over and over, yes. you know, especially in our homes. Absolutely. And, and I don't think we may think that our kids and grandkids will tire of it, but I think they will um, largely feed off what you communicate. Yeah, yeah. So if you open the Bible to retell the Christmas story or to, to read the Christmas story, let me say it that way, um, and, and, and it's sort of like a thing that you're just sort of obligated to do, our kids can sense that. Our grandkids can right. sense that. Like they, they know that you're not really into it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they, they know that it's not really your thing. But if there is an excitement that you bring to it, then mm-hmm. I think they approach it differently as well. I think they, they feel differently about the word of God. And again, this gets back to the importance of the word of God. So we want to look at that, but these are the two, um, the two studies or the two surveys that I thought were interesting and worth worth discussing. So this one, um, the headline Christmas, uh, celebrates a historical event. Americans say, but then you get into the survey and you learn that most, most Americans who know the Christmas story and understand that it celebrates the birth of Christ do not believe that Christ eternally exists. 
Yeah. I almost said existed. Eternally exists. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like yeah. eternally exists. So so they would believe that Jesus was born in a manger, mm -hmm. but they would see that as the beginning, the beginning. of That's his existence. Started. Yeah. So yeah. I think we have to look at some scripture there and just kind of yeah. have a conversation yeah. around that. I think we just need to talk about it. Like, let's just talk it out. Let's think about what we have read in scripture that will contradict that thought or that belief. And then also look at how the church, um, and, and I want to begin with the scriptures because that is the final authority. In fact, the truth of what we believe is built on the scriptures. Mm. So we start there first. We look at the claims that Christ made about himself. And, and then we look at how the church has defended those claims, those claims throughout the centuries. Mm -hmm. How have we um, continued to declare and to say what Jesus said of himself and what his disciples, those who walked with him and those who labored with him, what they said about him, what he said and what he did. So, so anyway, so we're going to talk about that. And then the other one is, um, well, we just said that one. It's the retelling of the, the Christmas story. Few Americans are confident that they could retell the biblical Christmas story. They may be able to retell miracle on 34th street, but not, <laughs> Sorry, just a little bit petty. Um, <laughs> not the biblical Christmas story. Before we get into this, though, I, I want to talk about something that I was that I was thinking um, and just kind of I've been exploring this over the weekend. And I think I'm, I'm guilty of something that I want to I want to talk about just a little bit. Okay. And uh, it's it. And the thing that has sparked my introspection was the reading of uh, the John's third letter to the church. And um, and I was thinking about how there's so much going on in our church today, um, going on in the American context, the church in the American context, but mm -hmm. just the body of Christ at large. Right. You, you know, and, and I focus on America because this is where I live. This is where the Lord determined that I would live and also the time that I would live in. And so many of the headlines that we look at, Will the Great, even some of the things that we discussed on Friday, I know that there are people who would look at that and, and, and they would say, you know, they would use it as an indictment against the church or, or um, they would blaspheme our, our God. Mm -hmm. um, they would blaspheme the name of Christ because of some of the current events, um, especially when, when you're looking at Christians, you know, um, who are the culprits here. And it's interesting because the Bible actually says that that would happen. If Christians don't live holy lives, if Christians do not walk uprightly, then um, non-believers will blaspheme God because of us, because mm. of those of us who claim Christ and then don't live it out. And yeah. so when we see those things happening, it shouldn't be a surprise to us. But one of the things that I think I'm guilty of is when I look at what, when I look at what's going on and all of the different, you know, churches and denominations and things like that, I think in my mind, I kind of, um, I glamorize the early, the early church. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, I kind of, I feel like, man, if, if Paul were here, you know, or if the apostles, if we still had right, the apostles, you know, right. I, I have this thought of like these things wouldn't be going on. But what I forget is that the reason we have the letters that we have, like the letters that Paul wrote. All right. We have these letters because these things were happening in real time and he was he was dealing with them. Right. So real situations. So even with him on tap, if you will. Yeah. Okay, Like 
these things are still happening. And That's so right. I was just thinking about this, even with myself, like how I, I sometimes think, ah, oh, you know, if there were just if there were just like a common place, like a, you know, one of those big meeting places where you could have like a kind of a council. Yeah. where Everybody, you know, everybody. I don't know, like a <laughs> Jerusalem yeah. something where everybody yeah. comes. You know, I don't know. But again, <laughs> why did they have to have that? Because here they are, they're here, and there are all these disputes, and there are these questions that are going on. And so I was reading Third John. It was sparked by a conversation that we had with some dear friends of ours. And I was reading Third John, and um, and I was thinking, whoa, the Apostle John is writing a letter to the church, and he's calling out this pastor who is uh, presiding, if you will, over this church, and he's calling this man selfish in real time. And he's saying that this man does not only, um, you know, not support missionaries like he doesn't support missionaries. He doesn't want the church to support these missionaries. But he's saying that he doesn't acknowledge our leadership. Mm. We're here. We're alive. You understand? <laughs> he doesn't acknowledge. And so I'm going to just pick up with um, verse five. So third John verse five. There's only one chapter. Third John verse five. Uh, beloved, it is a faithful thing you do and all your efforts for these brothers, uh, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Verse nine, I have written something to the church. But Diotrephes, or Di Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, mm. does not acknowledge our authority. Wait, but you're John. <laughs> like, right. you, know, you, you know what I mean? Like, you're, but you're John. And, and this just struck me. And you know how, and then praise God that the word is alive and, and, and the word of God never gets old or stale. Amen. It doesn't matter how many times Amen. you've read this. And this just jumped out at me. So anyway, so here is John saying that this man who oversees this church does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing. <laughs> Talking wicked nonsense against us man. and not content with that. He refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Wow. And then John says, beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. And I'm thinking about this and I'm looking at, man, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in our churches. And, and sometimes we can think, oh, you know, <laughs> if only. And But no, this this if you if you can draw comfort even from like, you know, the chaos that is recorded for us in Scripture, mm -hmm. it is this God sees and he knows. Amen. Right. And and we who are living in 21st century America, you know, can find some comfort in the fact that even those who in the first century church were still they were contending. <laughs> All right. We got to grab the break. Aaron, the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We really do appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Phil Wickham with Till I Found You. Sherry B. and Marty. <laughs> I don't know that that's it, brother, but uh, that's, that's as good as it gets for today. Um, hey, listen, it matters who we say that Jesus is. It matters Amen. who we say uh, that Jesus is. You know, um, you think of Jesus um, asking questions of the disciples and he's asking, who do men say that I am? And, and they're giving all of these responses. And then Jesus says, and who do you, who do you say that yeah. I am? And you can't help but um, explore the importance of that question yeah. asked of the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, because it's one thing, right, for um, people to make their assumptions about Christ. And mm-hmm. it's it's one thing for those who don't know him, who don't mm-hmm. follow him, to make their assumptions about Christ. But for those of us who do know him and are following him, it's quite important for us to know who Jesus Christ is and to be able to accurately communicate that. And so anyways, um, here is this LifeWay research survey um, where it is discovered that uh, still you have um, you have enough Americans not really recognizing that Jesus Christ <laughs> is et- eternally existent mm. and yet still celebrating Christmas. You know, I mean, because and, and Christmas, you know, because Christmas and, yeah. and it, it is a celebration that can happen apart from its significance. And, and and but look, but let me say this, because I, I want to be I, I want to be um, charitable. Mm-hmm. Right. And I I think I think um, there is an evangelism opportunity there mm-hmm. when we talk about most Americans. Right. And then there is also a discipleship opportunity when we talk about Christians. Yeah. How's I that? Agree. Like, you know what I mean? So there's a, there's an opportunity for outreach to those who do not know. And there's an op- opportunity for growth for those who know, but have not been adequately taught. All yep. right. Let me jump into the survey here. Um, this is from Lifeway Research. Christmas is a celebration of a real event, according to most Americans. Just don't expect them to know exactly why Jesus was born and came to earth. A new study from LifeWay Research finds close to three in four Americans believe Jesus was born in Bethlehem more than 2,000 years ago. Even more say Jesus is the Son of God, the Father, but less than half believe Jesus existed prior to being born on that first Christmas. Hmm. Okay. Most Americans Americans consider Jesus' birth a historical fact, said Scott McConnell, um, executive director of LifeWay Research. It can be easy to only evaluate Jesus like you would any other historical figure, thinking about when he lived and what he did. However, the Bible also describes Jesus in a way that one must evaluate who you believe he was. Mm. Most Americans believe his origin was from God the Father, but half as many believe he existed before his birth. So what does it mean, like, just if we had a conversation around this, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm tackling this the way that we would tackle this with our children, mm-hmm. okay? What does it mean that Jesus is eternally existent? And, and does this, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. And I, just thinking about this, I, I think the mindset of some some people may be that before you're born you can't exist like they they don't understand you know the uh eternality of <laughs> of Christ mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know and so i think when you don't have that uh full teaching or a biblical like worldview about certain things you just think like 
in your own logic, you know, in yes. your own mind. Yes. Uh, before someone's born, they, they weren't here, you know. Yes. But that, I it, think that might be some of the thinking. And it's interesting because I think I think the same people, like to, to the point that you're making, I think the same people would be okay with the miraculous occurring or occurrence of Jesus's birth. Like I think, mm. you know, um, and the virgin will be with child. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That, you know. Yeah, you're right. But like, why? I, I feel like storybots, mm. but like, why? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and thinking about the significance of his name and, and what he is to be called mm. and what that means. So he is Emmanuel, God with us. So this is how we would lead into just sort of helping to make those natural connections mm -hmm. or I say natural, supernatural, supernatural. connections. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so he's Emmanuel. He's mm -hmm. God with God. us. Amen. So then we ask the question. So did Jesus claim to be God on numerous occasions? Yes, yes. he did. <laughs> right. And uh, also was uh, facing the threat of being stoned because of what his claims were. That's right. We have this in scripture. So because there are some people who will say, well, Jesus didn't claim to be God. You Christians uh, present him as claiming to be God. No, he claimed to be God. And it was so clearly communicated that he claimed to be God that the Jews sought to stone him for blasphemy. Right. Like he claimed to be God. He said that he is I am. <gasps> <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. He, yeah. he said that he is I am. The Apostle John records that in the beginning was the word and that the word became flesh. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and nothing that was made was made without him. Right. So when we when we read this and when we think about it, you have to ask the question, what does that mean for Jesus Christ? Can if 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 those things are true mm -hmm. now with our kids, we'd say because those things are true. Um, what does it mean? For his eternal existence. Can there be a time where he did not exist? If he claims to be one in substance with God, if he is claiming to be God, does that mean that there can be a time that he did not exist because is God eternal? Now, here's something I want to read this to you because this is really interesting. This is not the first time. And we talk about this. Even I've read some, um, I included this in the presentation, mm, maybe three or four years ago, uh, looking at the state of theology study where it showed that even, um, and, and this one is troubling more so than uh, just what Americans believe because it looks at what Christians believe, mm. right? What do Christians believe? And so it's troubling when you have a high number of Christians who do not believe that Jesus Christ is eternally existent, yeah. right? Because that falls into the category of, but who do you say? that I am right. Right. Um, Arius Arianism. Um, this was a controversy that was fought in the church in the fourth century. Uh, it was decided based on the evidence of scripture. Okay. That the belief that Jesus Christ is not eternally existent must be condemned as heresy. But here we are still today, which to me shows that this is a spiritual battle that we're fighting right for over the nature of who Christ is. Mm -hmm. And 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 by the way, who Christ is has huge bearing on the sufficiency of his sacrifice. Mm -hmm. That Jesus Christ is God, Amen. that he is able to fully pay the penalty for our sin. 
but he is also us. <laughs> so because God's beef is with us, like we, we are the ones with whom God is dealing. So Jesus must be like us, but he must also be perfect. Like if you, if you think about these components that are non-negotiable, <laughs> they are non-negotiable. Like you, <laughs> you, you can't, you, there, you can't get rid of either of these two components. This is what we call the hypostatic union. Yeah. But when you, when you start to drill down and you ask questions, why is this necessary? Why is this important? Why do we, why do we need the God man? So I want to read something to you from, um, from, um, James Garlow's book, How God Saved Civilization. I often go back to it. I have a, and we've done a list of the church history books that we recommend. But this one reads, it's, it's, got, it's such an easy kind of narrative to be able to read. It doesn't um, feel as academic as some church history books can feel, um, which don't let that deter you because not all academia is bad, right? Like it's, it's good. Um, but here we go. So here, this is um, the section where he discusses uh, one of the one of the battles at at one of the councils, right? This is the Council of Nicaea. Uh, church councils were crucial in the life of the church because they were attempting to answer the question: Is Jesus really God? So I want you to lean in on this, okay? Arius, an influential and per- persuasive preacher in Alexandria, stated that only the only God the Father was God Almighty. Jesus being a son was different and inferior in authority, power, and substance. Hmm. Now think of, now think about that. Jesus being a son was different and inferior in authority, power, and substance. Such a radical statement touched off a theological firestorm and it should have. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> praise God. Outrage. It, man. <laughs> like what? Amen. Arius had quite a following and Emperor Constantine was unhappy that a theological eruption was occurring in the church. He called Arius and other theologians to work out their differences at the Council of Nicaea in 325. Athanasius, one of Wilbert's favorites, (laughs) Athanasius, Bishop of Alexandria, where Arius was a pastor, had vigorously withstood the Arian position and embraced the position of the Nicene Council. Arius and his followers were so powerful that they banished Athanasius from Alexandria on five separate (laughs) occasions. Amazing. Arius claimed (laughs) that Christ was not quite God and not quite man, but something in between. Hmm. Now, now listen, I'm going to pause there just because I want you to think about this. There are many of us who would not recognize that if we make any other assertion than what the Bible says about Jesus Christ, that we would fall into the category to some extent, we'd fall into the category of Arianism, right? Like, like there are, there are, there are some people who would not recognize that, but the claims would be very similar. They would still be saying the same thing Mm -hmm. while not having a term, right? They would still be saying that Jesus is not, he's not like man, Mm -hmm. but he's not Mm -hmm. like God. So you would be saying that he's he's some other type of being somewhere in between. And then you have to ask the question, do you have this supported in Scripture? And the answer is clearly no. Right. And we'll look we're going to look at some of those scriptures as well. OK, so here we go. Athanasius insisted that Jesus was both God and man at the same time. The dispute was bitter and vitriolic. The emperor was annoyed at having to be drawn into the fray. In the <laughs> end, Arius lost. <laughs> well, I mean. Right. 
and the Nicene Creed was reaffirmed in the famous Council of Constantinople in 381. So 325, then reaffirmed in 381. As a result of the struggles of Athanasius, we are able to affirm today that Jesus is both God and man at the same time. Um, yeah. And I, and I would say, and I understand the point that uh, James Garlow is making there, but I would say we're able to affirm it because of scripture. Amen. We're able to affirm it because of scripture, because of the claims that Jesus Christ made about himself and John, I'm just going to flip to it here and John chapter 10. Actually, I'm going to go back just a little bit further. John chapter eight, John chapter eight verses uh, 58 and, uh, and 59. Well, no, you guys understand. <laughs> I really like context. All right, I'm going to do 57. John chapter 8, verses 57 through 59. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. Have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. Wait, why? Why are they doing God? that? Because he's claiming to be God and he's using specific language that they know exactly mm -hmm. what he is saying when he says before Moses was or before Abraham was, I am. Mm -hmm. why, why is that significant? Because God has revealed himself as I am. And the Jews know this. This is not even a question for them. John chapter 10, verse 30. John chapter 10, verse 30. Um, I'm, I'm going to start at verse 25. Jesus answered them. I told you, and you do not believe the works that I do in my father's name, bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I am the father are one. Mm. <laughs> I and the Father are one. Verse 31. And 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 listen, this is so important for you to understand the weight of what Jesus has just said. There's no daylight between the statement and then what occurs after that. So that you would have no doubt in your mind as to the claim that has just been made by Jesus Christ. Verse 31. So verse 30 says. I and the father are one verse 31. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. <laughs> now watch verse 32. Jesus answered them. I have shown you many good works from the father for which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him. It is not for good works that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy because you being a man make yourself God. Wait a minute. So when he said that he and the father are one, they understood that he was claiming the same substance as God, that, th that he was saying that he is God and they were going to stone him. You, you are making yourself God is what they accused him of. And they were ready to stone him for blasphemy and fulfillment of their laws. Yeah. So the question is, when we have a discussion today about Christ and, and we celebrate the birth of Christ, we are celebrating the word Christ. We're celebrating Jesus becoming flesh. We are celebrating Emmanuel, God with us. Him coming to live and dwell among us and live like us. And in so doing, be able to identify with us, 
We have a great high priest who we can approach and he has mercy and compassion on us because he has lived just as we are and yet without sin. But this is not, this is not the, excuse the expression, this is not the creation of Christ. Right, right. Jesus, the son of God, we have the Godhead, the eternally existent triune Godhead, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. This is non-negotiable. All right. Aaron, the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. There is a Welcome back to Aaron. The- oh boy! Welcome back to Aaron the Addison. Sorry, it's all good. Sorry, welcome back to Aaron the Let Addison. Me clear my throat. I'm so. Sorry. <laughs> I need a pre-recorded gel. Welcome back. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's uh, on American Family Radio. I am not Miki. No, I'm just. Wait, what? <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of a, a different name. I'm Sandy Rios. <laughs> and, and people who listen to Sandy in the morning, they're like, no, you're not. You are absolutely not. And we're going to tell her that you tried to. <laughs> Sorry, Sandy. Sandy would never be caught clearing her throat coming back from a break. Um, anyways, I'm Miki. <laughs> and I'm Will. <laughs> and that's Seth and Nerva. Nerva. In, what? Uh, in the in the water. Okay, yeah. great. Well, anyways, we're talking about um, Christ in Christmas and really understanding who Christ is, that he is eternally existent and that he didn't, um, he wasn't just created um, at the nativity. Right. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't, he wasn't just placed into a, a wooden, you know, nat- nativity and then, then boom, there he is. Know that he's eternally existent. Um, and this is where we talk about mm-hmm. the Godhead. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's important also, and again, one of the things that we were talking about as we went to the break is that Jesus claimed to be God. And and he, this, this claim of equality with God, I think we have to understand what this means. It's not a, a lesser or a different God because the Lord, our God is one. So there is one God. There mm. is one God. Amen but he exists eternally three in one. And look, this is, this is difficult for people to understand, but we have enough scripture to support this. Um, I'm thinking of the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ, yeah, where the voice of God comes from heaven and the dove, the Holy spirit descends on the Lord Jesus Christ as he is obedient, even in baptism. Um, again, Jesus allows himself. And, and I say all of this respectfully, I'm, I'm trying to make a point here. Uh, Jesus is worshiped by his followers and he doesn't prevent his followers worshiping, worshiping him. That's right. Um, when, when Jesus rises again and he appears to Thomas, what does Thomas yell out? My Lord and my God. And he doesn't stop him saying, I'm, I'm not, do you know what I mean? Yeah, he, like, and he, I have to, he didn't do like Paul and Barnabas did, you know, Oh, don't worship me. Come just, on. We're just exactly. men like you. <laughs> That's exactly right. Or even, and man, even this in the book of the revelation, mm-hmm. I mean, this is an incredible moment here in the book of the revelation, revelation chapter 19. Um, the scene is the marriage supper of the lamb. And here you have John, right? And all of this that he is seeing. And in verse nine, this is chapter 19. I'm going to start at verse nine. And the angel said to me, write this, 
Hmm. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Wow. <laughs> like, I mean, do you, pretty clear. I just want to juxtapose. Those, <laughs> I just want to do it. Just a, just a side by side comparison. Right. Yeah. So. So when there is error, the error is corrected. Amen. But when it is good and it is right and it is true, you worship God alone. Then you see that happening without objection. And why is this important? This is important for us to put the full weight of our trust in he who is able and he who has promised and he who has brought it about. And I think about this, this kind of this harkens back to our understanding of the covenant that God made with Abraham. And the Bible says, because there's no one greater for him to swear by, he he swore by himself. So he makes this covenant whereby he and he alone walks through this this covenantal setup, this 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 agreement with Abraham, man, and in and, and all of the wording there, you see God initiating this relationship. You see God sustaining it. And when you think about who Jesus Christ is, that we now have hope in him, we are hidden in him. He is interceding for us. We have now been given his righteousness. How, how can anyone other than God impart righteousness mm. to anyone? Right. So these these are not um, these are not optional, right? These these are the things that are um, the defining marks of what we believe. These are the fundamentals yeah. of our faith. Why? Yeah. Because these strike at, uh, if you allow it, they strike at the character and the nature and the person of who God is. But once again, it shows you the need for discipleship for understanding you know, uh, these things, because I can see how many people would not, you know, would answer these questions from this survey mm -hmm. and not understand and not know, you know, yes. if you yes. don't have a, a, a firm grasp on who God is and, you know, who Jesus is, who, who God is, then you can have the thought that, oh, yeah, he was born. And that's when everything started, when he was born in Bethlehem, you know. And so I, I, you can see how important the teaching of the word, discipleship, apologetics, and understanding what we believe is, you know, even as it concerns living out our lives and celebrating holidays, like you just lose the, the total meaning of it if you don't. Yeah, amen. You, you, um, and, and I, I, I would say this is not just, this is not just something that we teach to our children. Mm -hmm. Can I, this is, we ourselves must be immersed in the truth that You're we right. have accepted. We must be reading the scriptures and training ourselves and, and growing in our knowledge of God and our fear of God and caring about not only what we say, but also those around us. Like, you know, our brothers and sisters in the Lord, like, you know, asking questions about our faith. What, what is it that we believe? I want to say something here because I think that at, you know what, let me open the phone lines. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Um, I'm wondering if there's a, I wonder, it's time to go. I'm wondering <laughs> if there's a person um, who wants to try their hand. And this is, this is the honor system. Um, I'm wondering if there's a person who wants to try their hand at retelling um, the Christmas story and getting in those details and getting it in order. <laughs> this cool. is yeah. without your Bible open. Hmm. Okay. People. <laughs> 
Don't 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 make me sound like the grandma that's in me. Okay. The Lord is watching you. <laughs> he sees you. Okay. Um, let me say this though, as the phone lines get queued up, 888-589-8840-888-589-8840. In Colossians chapter one, um, verse 15. Well, I'm going to do 15. No, yeah, just for verse 15. This scripture has been taken out of context and people have not understood what the apostle Paul was writing. And, and again, studying the word of God and allowing scripture to interpret scripture, cross-referencing the scripture will help us to avoid a little bit of the folly that, um, that we could enter into if we, if we're not diligent. Um, so Colossians chapter one, verse 15 says he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, the firstborn of all creation. <laughs> so people will read that mm-hmm. and they will say, well, he's the created. Bible says he was born. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's created. No, this is the acknowledgement of his position of honor. You understand. So in a in a culture where and I think we in some ways understand this, the firstborn, it is a position of respect. When you think of inheritance and you think of the way families are structured, it's usually the oldest kid who has the greatest responsibility. It's the oldest kid who is the first uh, to inherit. And, 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 and it goes on and on from there. This is not a declaration that Jesus didn't exist. And all of a sudden he was born and created. Mm-hmm. This is talking about the preeminence of Christ. This is talking about the top billing that Christ gets and also recognize he is the image of the invisible God. Haven't I been with you so long that you, 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 if, if, if you've seen me, you've seen the father, Jesus said. So, so, and, and add to that, add to that his direct claims of being one with the father, mm-hmm. his direct claims of of equality with God. So I, you know, I guess when I when I look at this and I think about how important it is for us to not just um not just say Merry Christmas. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like like not not just to to say we've got to keep Christ in Christmas. We've got to keep Christ as he has revealed himself to us as, as, as God wants us to know who Christ is. We've got to keep, um, that Christ in Christmas for lack of a better way to say that. And maybe somebody (laughs) else has a better way to say that, but I think those things become important that we don't allow just our tradition, um, to kind of cloud the way the Bible is to be understood and to be read. And, and anyway, let's go to the phone lines, uh, 888-589-8888. Four zero. Will the great? Where do we go first? All right, let's go to Keith in Michigan. Hi, Keith. Hi. Hey, Hello. Thanks for taking a call. Mm-hmm. You know, something that I've always thought about and meditated on many times is that imagine yourself being transported back or living to that time of about 30 AD, and then you have this guy coming out of this small little <laughs> hick down with calloused <laughs> hands and grubby look saying, mm-hmm. I'm God. And you're like, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And and I'm like, it's easy for me now after studying, meditating, the spirit of God coming to me and saying, yes, this is Christ. I'm reading the Bible. And it's like, I believe this. Yes. But imagine yourself being in this time, a biblical time, and this guy coming up saying, I'm God. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. And I understand that's the reason why he did the miracles to mm-hmm. prove over and over and over again, yes, I am God. But, wow, talk about... And can faith. I add to that, Keith? Can you also imagine that if around this time that you are, you're waiting for the overthrow of the Romans? Mm-hmm. Like, you're, you're waiting for this great ruler who is going to crush the Romans and right. <laughs> that, you know, this, this kingdom that you've been waiting for is finally going to be restored. And, and then, you know, um, he's, on, he's, on a, he's on a donkey. <laughs> right and 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 so you're like okay but he doesn't have a home he doesn't have a he doesn't have a palace and he's got all these people following him they're kind of they're kind of ragamuffins <laughs> like they you know they can't even really catch fish like they i mean it's <laughs> right like so think about all of these things and and can i tell you something i i believe that even in that we see a picture of the work that the holy spirit does mm. because who are the ones who come to christ well, Jesus said that the spirit draws them. Amen. Jesus said that the spirit, you can't come to God unless the spirit draws you. So for even those who were there 30 AD, how were they drawn to Christ? How do they believe? It's that the Lord God opens their eyes that they believe. And why is this important today? Because we're praying for our family. We're praying for our loved ones who don't know Christ. And may we always remember that it's the spirit of God who, when we heard the gospel, pressed on our hearts and said, that's you. You're a sinner. You're the object of God's wrath and you need forgiveness. And Jesus Christ has already died that you might receive that forgiveness. It's not because we're so good. It's not because we're so smart and, and because, well, I love a good mystery. Right? No, it's because the spirit of God has drawn us and opened our eyes that we might believe. Yeah. And the same is true then as is true today. Amen. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. 888-589-8840. Will the Great. All right, let's go to Jerry in Texas. Hi, Jerry. Good afternoon, Mickey and Will. It's awesome to talk to you guys again. God so I'm going to go out. On, I only have a computer in front of me, no Bible, that I'm doing a <laughs> final exam on, but I'm pausing it. Okay. And I, I just, where you want me to start with the Christmas story? Should I start in Genesis where God had to sacrifice the first animals to cover Adam and Eve's sin, and he promised Ooh, to sacrifice? Come Should on, extra credit. <laughs> where, where Abraham took Isaac up on the mountain, and Isaac said, mm. Father, we have the flame and the wood, but we don't have the lamb. And he told him, God will provide that. Did mm. I go into J. Keep Warner going. Wallace's book? talks about it's in the fullness of time and why and how he explains what the fullness of time is Mm. just start where the angel appeared to mary yeah just keep going just keep all of (laughs) all of that can i can i just tell you brother listen i i hope that we all love the lord so much that as our brother was talking that man there was an excitement i i felt like there should be an organ just like "Mm -mm," like just playing because you were listen Praise God. Praise God. So 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 pick up from there where the angel appears to Mary and then go from there, if you will. Okay, I'm going to try this. So the angel appears to Mary and says that she has found favor with God and that she will bring forth a son who will take away the sins of the world. And then from that, we look at how that progresses, because at that time she was only engaged and she was not married. Uh-huh. And that the husband to be would be the earthly father of the savior of the world. But he himself is in his 
is in turn the son and the father, <laughs> Jesus. But with that, because of their custom and tradition, you know, Joseph wasn't quite sure what to do. But then an angel had to come to him to tell him to fear not. One of those 365 times we're told not to fear. Come on, Jerry. That it, that it is done for this purpose. And so then, according to the custom. Oh, Jerry, we only got 30 days. seconds. I hate to rush your sermon. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing is, is that at the end of it, he comes into this world. And even then at his birth, the angels find the shepherds in the field and say, Lo, unto you I bring great tidings of joy. And that'll okay. pretty much wrap it up. Amen. <laughs> Jerry, you get extra credit, extra credit. We're out of time until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.